Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome and today we're going to Vaughan, Ontario to talk to Noor Din from Human Endeavor. And Noor, let's first talk about your academic background. Mm-hmm. So uh, my name is Nurdin, and I'm the founder and CEO of Human Endeavor. Uh, my academic background, just to give you a little background, I migrated from Pakistan in 1991 with a bachelor's degree in computer engineering from Pakistan. Then I, when I migrated to Canada, I went through master's program in computer engineering from University of Toronto. So that's my technical professional background. But now I am in a different, and I don't know, maybe later you will ask me about it, or I can explain now. Okay, so when you came to Canada and and got your master's, where Mm -hmm. did you go to work? Yeah, so... uh, I started working during my engineering. So I, while I was doing masters, there was a good opportunity with one of the local company. Uh, so I started my um, professional career uh, in during that. And then, of course, I worked with uh, uh, two or three other large um, technology companies who are located in America, but they had their centers or research R&D centers in Ontario, Canada. So I work with them. So some of your work was in research and development then? Mostly research and development, yeah. Excellent. Focused on development, but of course, uh, when you work on a new technology, we worked uh, from the beginning some very leading edge technologies. Like my first job was in fiber technology, fiber channel technology, which was data on fiber. So it was new field in those days. So we uh, started making some circuits to take data and uh, send data and also do the processing. So so you really have a, a passion for technology, obviously. So Be- let's passion. talk about uh, Human Endeavor. When did you found Human Endeavor? I founded Human Endeavor in around 2003 when I started working on it and uh, registered officially in 2004, but some of our work did start a bit early. And besides the technology, I want to keep that separate. Mm -hmm. What are some of the programs that Human Endeavor offers? Uh, So Human Endeavor uh, offers it Okay, Human Endeavor offers a number of programs. Uh, And maybe, Peter, if you allow me for two minutes, I want to say why I started Human Endeavor, because that's a social service uh, organization, and it has nothing to do with my technology background, right? So then I can kind of put in perspective that why we are doing some of the services uh, through Human Endeavor. So... I think my own personal life experiences from very young age, uh, where my father died in Pakistan at, at the age 44, and we were six brothers and sisters, and mom has to take care of us. 
then coming to Canada as a refugee and, of course, going through the settlement struggle that everyone goes through, it, it kind of always made me to do something for the community because we went through certain circumstances and we were helped in major uh, both of these cases. And uh, that really, but again, you don't get that kind of opportunity to do something new because you are new in Canada, you have to settle. So after 16, 17 years of my work, I, I think there were certain other additional circumstances, especially my mom was old living with me, having, uh, again, social inclusion type of challenges uh, in, in a new city as well where we moved. So we looked into and say, can we do something um, for the community? So I started Human Endeavor to provide services to newcomers and refugees in Canada. I also, from my mother's point of view, I started a social inclusion group where seniors can come to a community center, meet, do exercise, keep themselves healthy. And of course, research and R&D and technology, I of course, I started it as a part-time, but then I became full-time because of the need of the community. So since 2005, literally, I'm 100% on on my uh, social non-profit entrepreneurial sort of organization, which is called Human Endeavor, and the rest you know. Okay, so having said that, in the last little while, you've got into an area that you're really passionate about, Mm-hmm. which is technology. Absolutely, so, yep. Tell us about your technology program. Yeah, so I think uh, maybe uh, there are several areas, but I'm just going to focus on how we have helped seniors, especially during COVID, because I think that's where I think one of our biggest program that is evolving and we are expanding it uh, as well. Uh, with a five-year roadmap. So when COVID hit, we, we were serving around 750 seniors before COVID in different community centers. They were all isolated newcomers or other somehow isolated seniors uh, from various communities. With COVID, all of a sudden, they are now stuck at home without any service, without any outside connection. There was no safe way to get them out uh, to the community center. Everything was, was shut down in 2020 uh, March timeframe. So I did use my background in computer engineering and R&D for all these e- past years. And I created, uh, along with my son, who was also a student at U of T, a very, what we call senior friendly tablet. We took some of the tablets from the market uh, because many of our senior didn't have digital literacy, they, they could not afford the cost of the tablet, even if some of the devices were at home because everybody was home. So devices kind of went to younger people or job people or school kids and seniors didn't have any technology in their hand. And even if the technology was available, it was not designed for seniors. It was complicated. It was, uh, oh, there was no accessibility features really as such. So. So because we were serving a very large group or multiple large group of seniors across York region, so I created this uh, simplified tablet that we call senior friendly. We deleted everything from it, only put what was a senior will need to keep him or her 
connected with the organization or the or the community or the group so which means we did only uh, left on the tablet uh, a zoom connection or a zoom um, app we had chrome we had youtube so that they can enjoy some of the things and then there was a gmail account these are the only four apps uh, that we put on the initial tablet again this made the layout extremely simple we did a lot of uh, special sort of things on it which i cannot go probably into detail but the bottom line was how simple it can be for a person who have never touched a tablet who doesn't know anything about english how can he or she just go and attend so it's the tablet we introduced and then of course there were other issues like okay what if uh, somebody is living alone doesn't have an internet connection so we did put uh, a sim connection in it and created a very large pool of data eventually and then we knew that seniors will have problem uh, with the tablets they may not be able to operate because they are so we did create a helpline where uh, at the back of the tablet we put the phone number where they can call if there is a problem and because of uh, our engineering we didn't just do a very basic level of design we did put some features that allowed us to remotely log into the tablet so if the tablet is let's say 300 miles away or 300 kilometers away if a seniors call us how we will know what the problem is so we had that capability to remotely log in and fix the problem and and that's was a game changer for us the tech call center and remote login along with the simplicity so tablets became very quickly we introduced our first tablet uh, in late april like just within a month after the uh, the lockdown start so people start using it but then once we our uh, seniors start using many local funders like united way york region government um, provincial government federal government they came into picture and they ask us to distribute these tablets across ontario so so i think that was our first phase where we kept around 700 at least uh, 500 plus seniors engage just through our technology that simplified technology or senior friendly technology that we call uh, to keep them engaged with the seniors engage them with the organization they belong to and today we have around 30 organizations working with human endeavor and we are developing more products moving forward so that's just the introduction of and the project is called technology access and support for seniors that's the initial design but it's a uh, open design any person who face difficulty with technology can use it it doesn't have to be a senior it could be a younger people we can customize to some extent uh, for other age groups as well and that could also include uh, people with a disability is that correct that's correct so what we did was after this initial phase we modified the tablet to make it more accessible uh, as you said people with uh, disabilities like if they are uh, if they are blind or low vision the tablet can every app on it can be invoked with the voice activation so they are so we made them voice activated tablet seniors who had hearing difficulty 
or they were uh, uh, they could not speak so we made it more transcription based they type and then every other person or the group whatever is being spoken will come on the screen as a text so that worked quite well we did add uh, many other apps as well that were necessary depending on the disability uh, that that really helped and it became quite successful there are some videos on youtube that really demonstrate how powerful technology and thinking can be if, if uh, people um, who are engineers maybe somehow can work with the technology to reduce or eliminate barriers uh, that exist traditionally for many of those individuals. So NUR presently it's in Ontario only, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And going forward, it sounds like it's something that could be uh, replicated in other provinces and other states and maybe in other countries. There doesn't seem to be a limit. Absolutely, there is no limit. As long as I think the design, again, uh, Peter, you know the development cycle. So, of course, you need to um, make sure that the product is successful in a smaller group and then you scale it up so we are in the process of scaling it up uh, in ontario we have tested in rural areas we are remote areas in urban areas so of course many challenges were there as well that we have learned and now we are in the process of scaling it up and we are working with many partners to secure some fundings that can that will help us and since the design design is not uh, geography based at all our current design will work any part in anywhere in canada as long as there is signal uh, reception for their cell phone so the tablet will work the sims that we put in they work anywhere in canada as long as there are some basic signals available to them if it goes out of Canada, then as long as there is a local SIM that can be put in, it, 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 it will work there as well without any difficulty. But scaling up to hundreds of people will require to create what we call data pools because every tablet we give 10 to 12 or 15 gig per month. So if you buy some of the country data is very expensive. In Canada even, right, it's extremely expensive if you go and buy for one tablet that much data. You cannot even afford data cost alone is gonna be 100 plus dollars per month. At this point, the way we share data, the way we have created some smart pools of data from where these tablets extract the data for their use, our cost is fraction of uh, um, what the actual amount per tablet will be if you just buy directly from uh, a vendor. So how many users do you have today, and must they all speak English? How many clients we have, users? Yes, and, and do they all speak English? Uh, not all of them speak English. Uh, I can maybe give you uh, a research that we did uh, last year, and uh, with, with York University, and I can just tell you some of the base and uh, the base languages that senior were using uh, i don't have the percentage but uh, the 400 seniors that we selected for the research they were using uh, one two three four five, 15 languages that were other than english 
So, so the, I mean, Ontario is extremely diverse. So majority, I, I will say there were very few English, but majority of our clients were more fluent in non-English class, in non-English language. Because we were targeting newcomer, isolated individuals, but of course there was a small percentage of English speaking as well. So having said that, a help center becomes very challenging when you got people calling in all these different languages. Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, how we address it, one of course, our feature of remote login. Like if I remotely log in, I can see what's wrong on the tablet. Even if a senior, let's say speak a single word, right? We, we can log in and see what's wrong on the tablet, right? It will be, I'm unable to log in or something. Plus what we did was we did develop a multilingual call center capacity during the height of, uh, and we had around six individuals speaking six languages or more languages. Uh, then we asked some of our partner organizations to become an intermediary when, when a senior makes a call for, for the language if we don't have a support. So staff will call helpline, call the client, and then we will explain, we will see the screen on the, on our, or our uh, staff, and then we will ask the client uh, or cl ask the staff of our partner organizations to communicate a message. But again, if our remote access was not there, it would be extremely impossible to directly understand from the senior. It will be like not even possible to provide any support. But having remote login feature, plus this a staff person from our partner organization or a volunteer, mainly the staff from other organization, did really make a difference. And we never had any difficulty uh, in, in supporting anybody who called us. Now, one of the things that I think you mentioned before is the idea of monitoring mm -hmm. a person's health and knowing whether they've taken their mess medicine. Yeah. Tell us about that. Okay, so I think I will just go through the first phase. First two phases, the second was accessibility tablets. First was just senior friendly. What we are working, again, it's it's a progressive development. Uh, we are working with seniors, and there is a whole list of demands. What groups of seniors who are struggling in life without without the support, especially the technology, and we know technology can reduce or address those challenges. So one of the group that we currently have started working, or we have started, we have completed the basic design and in the process of delivering is that it's an automated tablet. So first was uh, senior friendly, second was senior friendly and accessible. Now the third stage is senior friendly, accessible and automated. So we are focusing on those individuals who have early Alzheimer's and dementia. So the tablet is designed uh, to communicate with the senior or a caregiver throughout the day. So for example, many of the, a calendar can be programmed with what this tablet should do throughout the 24 hours uh, and uh, all the 15 days we can program. So it will wake the senior up and in the morning, it will 
communicate in a friendly voice. It could be a voice of a caregiver as well, a daughter or a son as well, or it could be a computer-generated voice as well, which is, again, it will it will tell the senior to take the medication, or it will say, take the uh, please, please, Peter, take the breakfast now. It's breakfast time. So, so it's just a reminder, like, Early Alzheimer's and dementia people, because they forget, they need reminders of activities of daily living. So it does that. Now, if it has told a, a senior to take medication, eight, eight o'clock medication, now it's expecting senior to respond back that if he or she has completed that task or not. So after issuing the instruction, after five minutes, it will ask, Mr. Peter, have you taken your medication? And you have to say yes, yay, or, or some other way, communicate by pressing a button on the tablet that yes, I have taken. It will ask you five minutes apart, three times, and if you don't answer, if the tablet doesn't get a proper answer from you, which is yes or a positive answer, it's gonna send a text or an email to your caregiver that Mr. Peter has not taken morning medication. So, so I think this is throughout the day, it communicates with the program that we have put in. We can program or add things, again, through our centralized remote access, or a caregiver is also allowed to make changes to, to the daily routine of a senior. So let's say dentist appointment came next week, Monday, which is not a regular thing. That can be added as well. So, so I think it's more automation at this point we have added for to help seniors or other individuals who have intellectual um, limitations and cannot just remember everything by themselves. And this is available at the end of September 2022. So we are just... Uh, Finalize it. Okay, so three years from today, mm -hmm. what's this tablet, what's this program going to look like? So again, this is not a tablet only, right? Uh, it's a complete system. And what the next phase is, uh, what we are doing with this technology that we have developed, we actually are, again, in addition to this tablet, we are making house automation as well. So which means if a senior is living alone, we will have a bed sensor in the bed that will tell us, what the sleep patterns are of this senior. It will tell us how many times he or she opened the fridge because we have put a sensor there. We will put it in the washroom as well. We know how many times a person has gone to washrooms, right? So some of these activities of daily living monitor, which we are gonna complete by the end of 2022 or early new year, will tell us the some of the status of health. It, it may not be human endeavor if there is a privacy concern. It could be a caregiver who is getting some of this information. If a senior is not sleeping well, caregiver can be worried, should be worried about that, okay, my father or my mother or my grandparents, uh, they are not having a proper sleep, so let's check them on, on them and see what's wrong. If somebody is going two time in, uh, multiple time in the washroom, which is unusual, that means there could be some condition that they need to address. So making system more intelligent is our immediate focus. And then after that phase, we complete early 2023. We are taking this system that we have developed, which is a home-based, like intelligent and automated system, 
and we're going to make some of the buildings working with local governments or some private agencies make the building intelligent so that we or their care or the caregivers who are serving those seniors in either old age homes or senior living um, buildings can get information about the senior and his or her activities of daily living. Why it's important to, to make a building intelligent? Where seniors are living, which are mostly uh, single or living with spouse with various conditions, that at this point, staff is working very inefficient way. They have shift on which they go to each room and provide service because they don't know anything about seniors, right? If a, let's say we long-term care, a diaper needs to change for a senior. It cannot happen immediately because there is no signal that comes to the front desk and say, um, Mr. Smith living in room four needs adapter change, right? Because our sensors can smell, they can uh, detect water on the bed or something, right? So two benefits that are major benefits. One, quality of life for seniors will improve dramatically because it's on demand as soon as you you see or you your sensor sense, that means a service can be provided. So, so I think the quality of life dramatically will improve. From the staff point of view, it will reduce their, it I think will make the system more efficient. They will be able to prioritize their services to those who need the services versus there's no need to check somebody's condition. If all the sensors are doing, they can just go into the room, do some casual conversation and move on. So, so I think their services time will be very efficient in terms of giving and, and they, they will prioritize who get more service, who gets less service. So making system more intelligent is where we are moving forward. And then we are talking about three years. Our last year is to make a city section where our seniors live intelligent. That means we will have sensors not only in the homes, but on the ground outside as well. A senior is walking the road, can be detected by our sensor that will change the timer of senior crossing the road. That could be a very simple example that I can give. So, so I think making environments, homes, and more intelligent, where see they they respond to what the senior needs are and making them somehow pass on to individuals who are taking care of them so that they receive timely service and also caregiver become more satisfied that they they know the uh, situation pretty much on hourly basis to respond and many of those applications as you mentioned before would apply to people with disabilities who are in wheelchairs or absolutely there is no restriction yep it's open technology I, everything that i have said since our organizational focus or our funding focus is on seniors at this point but everything that's being developed as is can be leveraged in in any other conditions okay for our listeners there are two types one is an organization it's going to want more information, but also as an individual senior, mm -hmm. how do the organizations and the seniors connect with human endeavor 
mm-hmm. to find out if they would qualify for a tablet mm-hmm. or an organization if they could become a partner. Sure. So I would uh, request them to connect with Human Endeavor. If they search the web page, it's www.humanendeavor, H-U-M-A-N-E-N-D-E-A-V-O-U-R.org. Or they can call our office, which is four one nine oh five 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 three nine two nine one. Or they can email me uh, at info at humanendeavor.org and somebody will get back uh, to them. And again, this is what we are hoping that with our partnerships, the benefit can reach out to many seniors because sometimes there is training involved. And what we are now moving forward is we have developed this train the trainer model where we are giving technology to organizations and training their staff to make sure that technology reaches to seniors or other individual in their community and benefit. We cannot go to 1,000 kilometers away to provide that service. But if we train the local organization, this is probably the best way, and that's really what we are moving forward. So individuals or organizations, I think all the possibilities are there uh, to help the communities. You're, you're an innovator, a social innovator, Mm-hmm. You're an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and the most important thing is that you're giving back to your community as mm-hmm. someone who moved here. So thank you for your time today, and uh, continue growing into many communities in Canada and around the world. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you, Peter, for your time and uh, capturing what I have to say. Thank you.